Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton. I'm joined today by Jerry Hamilton. Jerry of On3 and Inside Texas. How are you doing today, Jerry? I'm good, Bobby. Uh, good road trip to Dallas for a couple of days and uh, back in the woodlands and uh, just kind of getting some work done here before uh, Matt Stafford wins his first Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't know. Joe Burrow is, is uh, coming strong right now. I guess y'all know my pick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't even really watch the NFL, but that's more of a Texas thing. I think it would be really cool for Stafford. Yeah, I, I do too. And I, and I will say this. <clears throat> uh, what a comeback story for him being on a team like the Lions for so long. And uh, yeah, this will be Barry Sanders Super Bowl today, too. <laughs> you know, all the guys been in purgatory in, the, in Detroit and Matt Stafford finally gets to go to a great franchise. Yeah, nope. I don't know if I would even categorize the Rams as a great franchise. They've just gotten good in the last couple of right. weeks, I mean, the last couple of years since McVay's been there. All right, um, Jerry, you were you mentioned it. You've been on the road a bunch this week, not just in Dallas, but also parts in between. We're going to talk about those. Uh, we're also going to recap some other uh, things that happened this week in recruiting uh, on this uh, segment of uh, recruit, our week in recruiting. Uh, that we always do. Uh, please remember, uh, for those of you that uh, aren't already subscribed to this video on, on Texas football or podcast, please click the red subscribe button in the bottom right-hand portion of your screen. It does Jerry and I and, and uh, Eric and the boys uh, a lot of uh, a good uh, as we try to grow our audience. Also, please consider a subscription to InsideTexas.com if you don't already have one. Inside Texas is your source for college, uh, Texas University of Texas football and recruiting information. Jerry, I want to start with a guy that you saw. Uh, first of all, let me set this up. Texas has one commitment at this point, Jamil Johnson, uh, defensive back for the class of 2023 out of Arlington Seguin. On your way up to the, to the Metroplex this week for uh, the uh, uh, offensive defensive lineman showcase camp at, in, in DFW, you stopped by Marlin uh, for a bit and saw Darren Gallette, I think is how you pronounce his name. You said you came away extraordinarily impressed. Yeah, you know, he's just a guy that the more you're around him, he, he just – look, it shouldn't be a surprise. His dad's a, a former basketball player at Virginia Military, is the girls' basketball coach at Marlin, also assistant football coach. It shouldn't be surprising, but he is – the kids kind of – he's got it put together now from a mental standpoint from an athletic standpoint even though he's a small town kid Bobby he doesn't have the small town feel to him necessarily he's he's more like a, a big city guy that we deal with in recruiting um, and that doesn't mean he's not reserved in some ways but he's just got he's just got it all together I think he checks a lot of boxes obviously anybody that's watched you know I put the highlights of his football junior season and then some of the dunks he's had in basketball up on Inside Texas this morning uh, in the article I wrote about him. But it, it, so go over to Inside Texas, check out. He's, he's a big time athlete. I mean, top of the square athlete. And that all that's all the stuff you can see. Right. As a football prospect, he's interesting because some colleges are kind of wonder where he's going to play. Right. Um, you know, he, play, he had fifteen hundred yards receiving. Uh, his sophomore year, they played him at quarterback before the new coach came in, right? He <laughs> plays Mike Backer, then they move him out and he covers in the slot. Um, so he's kind of a guy that colleges are figuring out how physical is he going to be at point of attack and where they're going to play him. I think it's obvious he's going to be an edge player. Um, and and te Texas has pretty much told him, 
uh, that, you know, they see him after his first year as a three down player, a guy that can play Mike and then they can move him to the edge. And I think he has that level of intelligence about him to where a coaching staff that gets to know him feels confident that they can put him in a couple of spots and he can handle it. So it's going to come down to how physical he is and how quickly he adjusts to the game. But he's 6'3 and a quarter, 6'3 and a half, 228, and he looks like he weighs 210 pounds. I mean, you know, he's muscled up, but he just a thin – you know what I'm talking about, that wiry, strong frame. He's going to be a guy at 6'3, 240, and he's ne- he's not going to carry a bad pound on his frame. Uh, but I think Texas – you know, one person I talked to there thought Texas may be where he ends up. Another person thought A&M may be where he ends up. And I think it's going to play out a while. He's going to go visit Notre Dame and Ohio State. Marcus Freeman's really on him now at Notre Dame. They're, they hired Al Washington, uh, the linebacker coach from Ohio State, to Notre Dame, who was the one that offered him at Ohio State. So now you have Marcus Freeman, Al Washington at Notre Dame. He's never been to South Bend. He's never been to Columbus, Ohio. So it'll be interesting to see – you know, what he thinks when he gets back from those places. I'm not sure cold weather is what he loves, but I do think great football programs are what he loves. Uh, Baylor's obviously in it. Dave Aranda, uh, you know, does a great job uh, staying in contact with him and recruiting him as the person as much as the player. And that is the school closest to him. Um, So we'll see how long Baylor remains a player heavily in the race. Um, Look, the the dad's from Auburn, Alabama. He went to Auburn High. Um, the kid was at Alabama and Auburn camps last summer. Uh, obviously, an Alabama offer, if they came through, would make things tougher on Texas and Texas A&M. Uh, right now, he does not have that offer. So we'll see what happens here in the spring evaluation period in summer. It, how, give us a ballpark. Is he a blue chip kid, in your opinion? Yeah, we have him in the top 300 in the country. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that's only going to ascend, uh, make his way into the top 150 in the country. And, and maybe top 100 guy in the country. Look, the coaching staff at Marlin thinks if he went, if he goes out after he gets back in the track mode, right, he's going to run the four by one, four by two and, and high jump. At okay? 6220. <laughs> right, right. They think. They the think, high jump at 230, 225. Right, right. And, and all he needs to do is the shot, put the kind of com, complete the, the, the track trifecta here of big athletes. But uh, they think he's going to run in the four fives at 230 pounds. If he goes out and tests. So if he does that, you and I know he goes to a totally different level. And as far as uh, national recruitment at six, three and a half, two thirty, if he runs post something in the four fives on a laser, that takes him to another level. It's no surprise that my first question to you was about a linebacker, because in the class of 2023, you and I know that that's a that's a primary or or priority position for the Longhorns, given uh, who they have in the pipeline right now from last year uh, and even the previous year. Um, and the other one that you went and saw, these are the two linebackers that Texas has truly offered that are true linebackers at this point. Samaj Burrell out of North Crowley up in the Fort Worth area. You were there this week as well. Uh, what did you see there? Yeah, you know, it's funny is uh, I was talking to Eric Nolene on the way up and he was like, he had talked to Burrell the night before he said, man, he checks, you know, he, he's a strong mental eval kid. And he said, he's, I'll be interested to see what you think after you talk to him. And, and, and I'll get to the conversation, but I called Eric when I left. I said, he may be this Burrell may be my favorite kid I've talked to in this class. You know, and the reason I say that is so Eric was spot on in the phone conversation with the kid. Um, he, Bobby, has a real football intellect to him and understanding. Um, he is a guy that's going to live in the film room. There's no doubt in my mind. He's a guy that a college staff will be able to 
put Mike backer, and that's what he is, and allow him to make the calls and feel comfortable and confident that he's going to make the calls. And he wants that responsibility. That's the thing. These, you know, when you've been doing this a long time, some of these kids you talk to, you get a pretty strong evaluation on the football side quickly. Um, and, and runner, his kid's a junior in high school. Physically, he looks tremendous. Now you're talking six one and a half, two fifteen, long arms. I mean, I put my hands up to his. He has ten inch hands. I uh, play strong, plays physical, plays fast, and I think it's because he he reads everything so well. If you watch his tape, and then think about like I watched his tape again after I talked to him, and with the understanding that okay, this kid gets the linebacker position, and he studies at an early age, you can see how quick he is to see things happen. And I think that's a really great sign for him. I think Texas, Baylor, the two top schools right now for him. I think Texas may have a slight advantage over Baylor. Um, He's going to go up to Oklahoma. Uh, The people at North Crowley expect Oklahoma to be a player in it. He wants to get up and see Ohio State. They've offered him. Um, I was told by somebody at North Crowley, I don't think he goes that far away from his family at the end of the day, but it looks like it could come down to Texas versus Baylor versus Oklahoma. We'll see how things play out. TCU is making a much more, it's making a stronger effort on some kids like that in Fort Worth under, under a new staff. And uh, so I think you, TCU is going to be more of a factor on some of those kids early in the recruiting process, let's say. So TCU is a factor in it as well, but Bobby, extremely impressive guy. I sat down and talked with him for about 15, 20 minutes. Just, I, I walked away extremely impressed with him uh, as a football student of the game as much as a talent on the field. Samaj Burrell from North Crowley. I'll, everybody remember that name? Uh, Jerry, you went and saw those two linebackers. You also took a little side trip on Friday to go see Cam Williams, the 2022 offensive lineman, <laughs> and you shared a picture with me in the, our group <laughs> chat for Inside Texas, and – Frankly, it, I, and I was just like, I give up. I was like, I mean, what what size helmet is this guy going to wear? Because, I mean, his head is huge. So I'm I'm just – and it wasn't a full body shot, right? It's just torso up. And I'm like, holy cow, his, his hands were huge. I mean, everything. I was just like, good God. It brought back memories of being at the Under Armour game this year with Jaheim Otis, the D-tackle, nose guard that signed with Alabama. They couldn't get a helmet fitted for him, so he missed the first day of practice. And that, or you know, I don't remember. I remember meeting Leonard Davis, and I was like, "Whoa, this dude's head is, is massive." So those are the two guys that I immediately uh, came to mind when you asked that question. Um, but yeah, he is just a massive human being. I, I mean, you know, and he's down this. He said he's down to three hundred and sixty pounds, which that's probably the lowest weight he's been in over a year. Uh, before maybe a year and a half before COVID because he was 391 at the Under Armour camp in March of last year. And I think that's what led the people under ranking him because his movement wasn't great in the testing standpoint at that time. But then you know what, Bobby, we've talked about this before. I saw him at an AAU tournament in the spring in Dallas. He was playing on the same AAU team with Arterio Morris, the uh, combo guard at Simon, Texas. And I was just amazed at how well he moved up and down the court. I mean, guys that are 6'5", at that time, he said he was 375. Their heels aren't supposed to touch, touch their butt when they run at that <laughs> size, okay? <laughs> and, and, you know, that's just rare. And then he was dunking the basketball warmest. He couldn't dunk it in the game, but he could dribble 
and dunk the basketball at 375 pounds. I don't care if you're 6'5 or 6'7. That's not easy when you carry that much weight. So he's got the athletic ability. You know, I talked to the offensive line coach at Duncanville, which is probably much more interesting than anything I could say on here. Um, we talked about, yeah, he's he's got he's he's got to stay vertical in his pass set a little more. Uh, and they've talked with Tech. Kyle Flood's talked with the Duncanville staff and Cam. That's one area they see that they're going to have to work on with him at Texas, which I thought was interesting, right? Um, and that, yeah, he can improve his flexibility a little bit, but as he loses weight and as he gets into a college strength program, Duncanville thinks that's going to happen for him. Um, and, and the main thing, you know, I spent a couple of minutes with uh, Coach Samples as well, and just how nasty and aggressive he was on the field this year. I think they felt like he took a big step from junior to senior year. And that other guy that Texas has offered at Duncanville, they've offered just one guy in the class of 2024, correct? Deldrick Madison or 2023. Yeah, Deldrick Madison and 24 is Colin Simmons, the linebacker. And they had a track meet that day. They had basketball senior night. So there was a lot of stuff going on. I was kind of going all around the place. Um, And by the way, at the track meet, I'm, I'm here to tell you, it was Lancaster, DeSoto, Duncanville girls, which are three of the fastest track programs in America. Those relay races for the first track meet of the year were off the charts. <laughs> they have, I bet those three teams, their relay teams may all be future power five runners. I, Just incredible. I've got to say this, people that have never been to a high school track meet or to the Texas state track meet, it is a hidden gem for sports viewership, in my opinion, because uh, especially this state track meet in, in Austin, it is uh, it is a lot of fun to watch that happen. And then there's the two day event. You kind of come and just sit. Oh yeah. Then yeah. there's the 2025 receiver at Duncanville, who is a big kid who they were talking about on the track and and just how impressive he's going to be. They think he's going to be as nationally as much of a national recruit as any kid they've had come for which saw you posted just speaking of track i saw you posted on the site this morning a freshman at Mady creek down in katie uh, houston area eric nelson posted a 10.49 seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery join june parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Um, 100 meter. And, that, and that's full. That's FAT, fully automatic time. And there's probably downwind a little bit. It was windy. I don't care. As a freshman, though, I mean, come it's on. first varsity meet running. It, so if it was a 10-6, who cares? I mean, if he gets it the 10-4 at the end of, in the spring, I mean, people got him. Anybody that lives in Houston, Dallas, it's been cold. These weren't easy track meets. Uh, now, Dallas Friday was great, but then it turned cold Saturday. But Houston, that meets yesterday, it was chilly. It was cold. Yeah. So that type of time is impressive question i mean this is something that i want to talk about in recruiting because i think it matters um i've been talking about how uh, kids are just getting bigger over the last 30 years since i've been doing this when i was first started 300 was huge right you know now we're talking about 360 pound kid with cam williams and he's down Mm -hmm. texas offered the defensive lineman uh out of uh uh, i can't remember down in houston area one of the side i think it was side fall Samu Pepe, I think his name is. Yeah. 
he's he's like 370 380 or whatever yeah Th- these these guys are getting bigger no right. question but number two is i think they're getting faster i agree i i mean in larger like used to be there would be three to four kids a year in texas run t- sub 10 7 mm-hmm. and I- i'm looking at the receiver list alone in the state this year and there's at least three sub 10 6 yeah i, I agree mm-hmm. and, and, and one of the things with like Cam Williams, one of the discussions on all the Texas sites inside Texas is, you know, what's a good plan weight for him? I kind of throw that out the window nowadays. I You can be 345 to 350 if you're in football shape, right? They're bigger, they're bigger human beings. I mean, I, I don't look at it and say, okay, he needs, he, Cam Williams needs to get down to 330 pounds. I don't look at it that way anymore. I, if he's 345, and he's in football shape and is in good shape. But what does 15 pounds matter? 10 pounds matter. I mean, I as long as you have reactive quickness, body quickness, foot quickness, you can bend. Doesn't matter if you're carrying 10 more pounds or 15 more pounds. But, that, but to your point, Bobby, that's what made Leonard Davis so amazing in 1996 and seven, right? His size at that time and that he came from Wortham and used to clothesline guys playing middle linebacker. Remember that, that tape? He just closed. How big he was at that time was so amazing. My, my I, just, I just have so many memories of Leonard Davis that uh, in high school. Mine is that I talked to his high school coach, and he told me that – I go, when did you know Leonard was just like naturally strong like this? Because Leonard literally had not lifted weights, right. you know, it, they didn't have a weight room at Wortham. You know, they bar- they didn't have a stoplight either. So, right. <laughs> um, but he goes, when he was in middle school, he lifted the ice, like the, the, they had an ice chest for like an ice machine, not, not like an ice chest, but an ice machine. And they were going to move it from one area of the, of the uh, coach's office to another. And, Leonard didn't, Leonard picked it up. <laughs> the other coaches like, are saying, All right, you get one in, you get the other. <laughs> no. Now, obviously, this is a small school, so it wasn't one of those humongous right. ones. Right. But nobody's moving the ice, <laughs> moving the ice thing in seventh grade. That just, <laughs> it doesn't happen. But uh, I, I also say the other, the other huge guy that always, I always come back to was also at the All-American game down in San Antonio is DJ Fluker. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he was, I mean, I, I think he still plays for the chargers maybe, or somebody, or he may be retired now, but he was like six, 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 seven, three sixty, And he was just a huge human being. Um, before we get going on, on some other uh, recruiting notes, uh, one under the radar guy we talked about that I, d- I want to make sure doesn't get glossed over um, and just lost in the shuffle, even though he doesn't have a Texas offer at this point is a young man out of Dak, out of Jacksonville that we mentioned briefly last, last week. Give us a little bit more on him. Yeah, Devin McEwen, uh, you go to talking about the, how there's so many guys that are running 10-6. I mean, McEwen, whose brother is Deshaun McEwen, safety at TCU. Uh, Gary Patterson signed him, uh, what, two, two, three years ago. Uh, Devin McEwen is a kid who he's, fly, he's flown under the radar in recruiting. Um, and I don't really understand it. Honestly, I think he at UTSA, TCU was his first offer. Gary Patterson offered him as a corner. Um, and I, I, I know that's what Gary Patterson still believes he is, which is interesting uh, because a lot of people are recruiting him as a wide receiver or safety. UTSA is his other offer. Of course, Jeff Trailer is going to be 
really either first or second line to offer every East Texas kid. They do a great job evaluating those kids and knowing who they are at a young age. But McEwen is, look, he put up 900-plus yards receiving, six interceptions on the football field. Um, basketball, he's a starting shooting guard. I think their team expected to go three rounds deep. He's averaging 15 a game. He ran 10-5-9, 10-5-8 last year at the, um, what it was, a regional qualifier meet or something. Then he pulled his growing the next day in a relay and missed the region meet and probably the state meet. And I think that probably slowed his recruitment down because if he had gone to Austin and posted a 10-5, 5-10-6, people would have been probably offering just off of that because there is no spring football practice, right? So he wasn't a kid who's been out to a lot of camps or events. Um, but I think his recruitment's going to blow up. I really do. I think he's going to be a 15, 20 offer guy, you know, three sport guys that are that fast, who have ball skills, forget about it. Some people, all these kids recruitment doesn't happen at the same time. They don't all physically develop at the same time. So if he is 10 pounds heavier this year and he goes and posts a 10, five on the track this spring, it's over for his recruiting process. He's going to blow up. Gotcha. Um, and I expect that to happen. And, and Terry Joseph is in contact with him quite a bit. Um, and, you know, knowing that the Gary Patterson connection there from recruiting Deshaun McEwen, Texas has a couple of feathers if they offer him and they want him to come visit either in March or for the spring game in April. Gotcha. All right. Um, a couple other guys I want, want to keep, catch up on because they're such big names and uh, other guys saw him. Well, I think Justin Wells saw him, John Tate Cook yesterday and uh, the wide receiver out of DeSoto. Uh, Justin reporting Texas and Texas A&M are, are the primary guys there for him. Uh, but he also said to watch out for LSU. LSU might be a little bit of a, a, a sleeper. Uh, I think that my interesting, the interesting standpoint here is at one point, uh, Jonte made a little bit of a dig at, at Jimbo Fisher's offense, you know, and called it something like the wishbone or something like that. Uh, he told Justin Wells that he's going to be watching to see what the Aggies do with Evan Stewart this year. Uh, but at the same time, he really likes Sark. Uh, and likes how he gets the ball out to his receivers. That, but that's going to be one that, that uh, we watched. He had a really good tournament, it looked like, uh, this weekend in the seven-on-seven seven, uh, stuff. Jacquez Petaway out of Langham yep. Creek. I know this guy you're really high on. Um, he has recent offers from Georgia, Oregon, and Ole Miss. Uh, Texas, he says, in routine contact. And like uh, Jonte Cook, Petaway also talking to Sark, as well as new receiver coach Brendan Marion. Yep, yep. Jonte Cook, Jonte's very interesting. He, talent-wise, just route-running explosiveness, he is one of the best in the country. Um, when I saw him against Converse Judson early in the season, he had three drops, and it was kind of, it was uncharacteristic, and two of them would have been touchdowns in a blowout game that they were losing. So, kind of, I just kind of wrote that down. But, you know, he's working with margin hooks now on a more, what, almost every other day basis. And I think that is really helping him. I think Margin is great at what he does. Uh, there's too much. Margin was one, a great player. He sees it, he gets it, he communicates. I've watched many workouts. And I think Jonte's about to go to another level now that he's working with Margin. I mean, if you look at how Margin's helped prepare Marvin Mims um, and, and, you know, Evan Stewart and Jordan Hudson and some of those guys, um, I think he's about to go to another level as a player. I, I think just understanding the nuances of the position and really owning in on some of those little things that he can improve. I, I expect Jonathan to have a huge spring and in, in a senior season. Uh, yeah, I, I, I spoke uh, with somebody 
very close to that photo program and close to Cook's recruitment on Friday evening afternoon. And it's same, same thing as Justin Wells reported. Uh, A&M, Texas, it goes back and forth. You know, um, I think there's two aspects there. He wants to watch what how, how A&M uses Evan Stewart and how much. And he also wants to watch the Texas quarterback position this year. Because a lot of people just say, okay, well, he's buddies with Arch, so that's what matters. Well, not necessarily. What matters is how the Texas quarterback position is this year. And is Quinn Ewers going to be the type of player that people think? Because Jontae Cook comes in wanting to play a lot as a freshman. So the guy who's the starting quarterback is going to matter probably more than the guy he's buddies with that may go to Texas. I think that's fair. fair. Um, Javon Toviano, uh, some news on him too. Uh, the uh, blue chip cornerback out of Arlington Martin. Yeah, I talked with him. Uh, the uh, uh, underclassman uh, report um, power Academy was at Arlington Martin high yesterday. That I oh, okay. We'll get to that. So Javon Toviano was their supporting teammates who were there. He's as impressive of a kid as I've ever talked to in this business. I mean, these, you know, just along with Ernest Cooper last year, I, I don't know. I, you know, I told Bob Wager, I said, whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. And he said, it's not my, it's not me. It's the parents of these kids. Right. And, but Toviano just, he has a very mature, almost professional approach when you talk to him. Um, he's very detail oriented in the recruiting process and how he looks at things. He's not going to get caught up in hype or emotion um, of recruiting. Uh, you know, I talked to somebody, uh, I talked to him yesterday talked to somebody pretty close to him yesterday as well. They thought Oklahoma was really in the driver's seat until Lincoln Riley uh, took the USC job. And now that's caused Toviano to step back, kind of uh, take a slower approach to this recruiting process. Because with this crazy – and we'll, it'd be interesting to see how this impacts some of these 2023 kids. With the crazy coaching carousel that we just witnessed, I've had multiple high school coaches um, and – People mention this. They think it's going to cause some of the kids to take a step back and take a slower, uh, a bigger view and, a, and be slower about their decision-making process because of how crazy it was last year. And maybe it felt that way to the kids in Texas because Lincoln Riley left and LSU opened. Maybe it was that, right? Texas Tech has a new coach. I mean, so there were a lot of things going on, TCU. So there were a lot of things going on with the kids in the state of Texas that are being recruited by all these programs. So maybe it's just more Texas kids than kids nationally, but I do think it's going to cause some of them to step back and say, hold on, let me slow this process down a little bit and see what's going to happen. But Toviano, Texas, very much in the mix. Um, he's going to go down to LSU March 5th. He's never been. Um, it's, it's interesting. I, I think LSU, we've always thought LSU hit the state of Texas hard. I think they're about to take it to another level. In Dallas, East Texas, and Houston. Let, let's see if they're as successful, though. That's the key. But, because I'm telling you, they, they had some really, really talented recruiters at LSU, too, yes, including the head coach. Yeah, including the head coach. So, yeah, I mean, and so, I, think, I think we're going to see them in on more guys, but like you will see how many they close. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, I would be remiss if we didn't mention just a couple of things on Arch Manning. Um, you know, more data out there, more stuff out there. Everybody's making every single move he makes into the, a big thing. So it's important to just keep up to date. Uh, the quarterback out of uh, uh, New Orleans, uh, Isadora Newman High School, uh, is looking at Texas, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Georgia primarily. Clemson is out. Um, hoping we, we think he's making hoping to make a trip to Texas sometime in the spring. Um, 
Where it ends up, we don't know, but we do know that Texas is the only school of that group, I think, that hasn't offered another 2023 quarterback. Is that true? Now, Alabama has offered a second quarterback or not? They, ha they have, yeah. Okay, yeah, gotcha. So, Joe Amala, they out of California, they offered him late in the summer. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's see what that means. We don't know if it means anything yet, but it's something for everybody to know. Second is Reuben Owens, uh, the running back out of El Campo. Uh, what's the latest on, on Reuben, Reuben Owens? Yeah, you know, Ruben's going to take all the visits. He's going to go see all the places. He's going to go through the process. I've had multiple people continue to tell me at the end of the day, it, it's still trending to A&M versus Texas, Texas versus A&M. However you want to uh, put whichever school you want to put first, second, really doesn't matter at this point. But multiple people think it's going to come down to an in-state battle. Can that change? Sure, it can change. Um, but that's what most people believe right now. But I do think that you're going to see him visit all places all around the country and is. Uh, it's going to play out uh, longer. And, and I just think that's going to, I really feel like that's happening with the 2023 kids in the state of Texas. I think these recruitments are going to play out a little longer. And you're talking about in Owens, you're talking about a kid that was once committed to Texas, backed off that commitment. So he's not going to rush to make another decision. This one's going to play out a while. And yeah, if, there's no reason to. Um, yeah, with Arch Manning, I, I, I believe the official visits in uh, June are going to be huge in, in this process. I, I really do. I, I, I think Texas is in a good spot. I think the data points that we talked about last week kind of tell you that Texas thinks they're in a good spot or believes they're in a good spot or the feedback tells them they're in a good spot. But we're uh, see how it plays out here. Uh, I don't think I don't think Ole Miss is going to be the choice. I just don't. Um, I, I think Arch likes Austin and Athens. Um, I, Alabama football is very appealing. Obviously, um, see who the offensive coordinator is at that time and. Uh, but I think Texas is in, a, is in a good spot heading into the spring. I got to say this. So um, Archie, Archie, the grandfather, went to Ole Miss. For his son to go to Alabama is like sacrilege. Or his grandson. I mean, Tennessee is one thing with Peyton. I mean, Ole Miss, Tennessee, yeah. But Ole Miss, Alabama, I mean, they, there was a time when they were like blood enemies. Oh, and, Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to play a role at all. Uh, anyways, well, right. I, I talked to a I talked to a uh, former uh, college assistant who recruited Eli in high school last week. By the way, and uh, he's still very much connected to the college game and the recruiting world. And he he thinks the Texas uh, lead slightly whatever is real right now. So that's coming from somebody who would know. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, it plays out. Well, that's today, February what, 13th. We'll see how yeah. it plays out. <laughs> hey, uh, Jerry, um, now we're going to get into a little bit. I don't want to do too much on the this camp but uh, that you went to yesterday, the, the uh, offensive and defensive line camp. I want to I set it up from a standpoint of just how important I think it is, again, for you guys to be on the road like you are seeing these guys. And so before we get to talking about a camp, I want to ask you about a question that you and I always get, okay? What, how important are the camp performances vis-a-vis -vis what they do on film or on a Friday night? Like, how do you position that? So as you're going into these camps, okay? And you know, you're gonna go see, I mean, look, I, I'm looking at the list that you gave me. It, there's eight to 10 high level D1 guys on this list easily. Yeah. When you go into those, Tell me what you're thinking about and how you're trying to, to process all this new information you're seeing. 
I've always tried to attack this job like a college assistant coach that's recruiting players do. Uh, and that's just the approach I've always taken. I watched the film. What talent level is he? Okay, we, we kind of peg him here, here, here. And that's not a grade. That's a level. Okay, is this guy a blue blood guy? Is this a guy that the top 25 programs in the country are going to recruit, blah, blah, blah? Or is he the elite, 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 right? Um, but then I go to the school to visit and learn more. I call it digging in the ditches. I mean, learn more about the kid, what makes him tick, how is he as a player, what's the work ethic, all the things you that you're never going to see on film. How does he handle being coached? One thing you never see on the video is a kid get mad and throw his helmet. And I've been fooled on video before, and then you go to the games, and a kid acts the fool, and you know he's not going to make it. So that's part of it. Then the camps, it moves to camps. And it's really no different than the college coaches when they go out and evaluate these guys. You're just looking to check the boxes or not check the boxes, right? I mean, so, and then you get into the physical development. How's this kid look now versus how he did six months ago, how he did a year ago? Is he progressing? Then you watch him work. One of the most, the best thing about like the camp yesterday, uh, the D-line instructor is Nathan O'Neill, who trains Demontre Moore, uh, Puna Ford. Charles, I mean, who tons of guys works the Vaughn Miller pass rush Academy, tons of NFL guys, NFL prep, top college guys. How do those kids respond? Because he'll get up on in their ass a little bit and tell them when they're wrong. Hey, listen to me. This, I'm trying to help you. How do those kids react to that? Because that's coaching, but it's going to be a lot more to another level in the college game. So if you take all of it and, and put it together, I think that's why in our industry we're, we're we're pretty good in this business nowadays. I'm not saying we're great. It's, it's never a perfect science. But if you look at rankings now, we're, our industry is pretty good. And I think if you attack this the way college coaches do um, and, and really try to evaluate over a multi-year period, not forget about a kid's senior year, because you and I have talked about this before. I think our industry is missing the senior year too much because recruiting is just so much of a fast forward process. You move on. But the I, senior I, I think I think so that – I think that missing the senior senior year evaluations is the number one problem uh, in in recruiting and has been for almost two decades. Right. Ever since really early recruiting came about with Mac Brown, the 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 late evals really took second place or back seat. I guess is a better word. Yeah. Um, and I don't think some people have even caught up because they don't want to catch up. Right. They don't want to have to do more work and. And that's just not what you're gonna gonna do. I I think that uh, as I used to go out to, to those camps and combines and, and whatnot, I always thought you could see uh, some things differently in that they were often working against peers, right, on a consistent basis. Right. So you're going against an offensive lineman is going against another D1 offensive lineman or defensive lineman who's you know 270, 280, 300 as opposed to a defensive lineman that's 220. Yeah, and, right. and that those these set this setting in football is the only thing close to AAU basketball, right? right. And, and basketball recruiting is so much easier because you get to see best on best eight months out of the year. Here you only get to see it at certain select times before they play in an all-star game their senior year. And I agree with you, these camps are and just like yesterday, Ashton Porter matched up with Connor Stroh in one-on-ones. Connor Stroh. Play, you know, look, Frisco's not Frisco ISD. The district's not bad, but he hasn't gone against the guy like Ashton Porter very often, if at all. And Ashton Porter, the first rep, really got into him and by him quickly. And Stroh actually 
reps two and three looked like he adjusted a little bit and it made him move his feet quicker. So uh, to your point, hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Um, go, I want you to just give us some of your big takeaways. Some of the key guys there uh, that Texas has offered Marcus deal uh, out of uh, the Garland area. Uh, defensive lineman, offensive lineman, Ashton Porter, defensive lineman uh, out of the Cypress area. Uh, then offensive lineman, Connor Stroh, Andre Kojo, uh, and Isaiah Robinson, all from the, the DFW area. Uh, Texas is all for all of those guys. Uh, Terrence Green is a guy that caught your eye that Texas hasn't offered but might be in the offing. And then Riley Van Poppel, Todd Van Poppel's son, uh, might get a look on the offensive line as well. So give us uh, some feedback on those guys. Yeah, I'll start. Ashton Porter uh, was the MVP yesterday. He got Under Armour All-America game invite out of that. So those performance, that's why these kids go, by the way. One, it does help your recruitment. Two, then they, that, that, that carrot's always dangled there for these kids. He got invited to the Under Armour game. He was a guy, look, he's, look when I left ESPN and uh, the Under Armour All-America game in May, he was already on our radar, right? We knew that he was potentially one of those guys. But then what he did yesterday, the, the watch the, the improvements he made uh, at, at all the events he attends, he got invited to the game yesterday. Um, and he had, a, he had a great day. I mean, Nathan O'Neill was very high on him. I uh, posted a national article on On3. That Nathan O'Neill was quoted. I quoted him on Ashton Porter. Um, just, you know, how much he's improved as he's seen him four times now in events. So he had a great day. Ashton is one of those guys that there's a few of those guys like Samaj Burrell in this class that he's as impressive talking to him as he is watching him, maybe more yep. so. And he's how, he's, big, how big is he, Jerry? Six, three, 235, 240. I didn't get the exact weight that he came in at yesterday, uh, but that's, that's the area code. He's 235, 240. Um, right now and, and he won I mean look he won if he took 10 one-on-one reps yesterday he won nine I, I mean and it, <laughs> it gets really good players and he's just he's just kind of the, he's hyper competitive he, he he lives for those one-on-ones and uh um, and he's got really good feet and his bend keeps getting better and better that's the one thing you notice about him how's Texas looking in that recruitment I think Texas is the favorite for Ashton Porter. I, I do think he's going to take it out uh, after talking to him yesterday. I don't think this we're looking at a spring decision. I think he's going to take the official visits in June um, and take those officials, get through that process and make a decision headed into a senior year. Um, or Oregon's really coming in on him. LSU with the new staff is, is starting to make a play for him. They, neither one of those schools have offered him right now. I think of the schools that have offered him, Texas is the heavy favorite over uh, Arkansas, Baylor, uh, and Arizona, who's trying really hard. Gotcha. Um, Marcus Deal, Terrence Green. Yeah, Mar Marcus Deal. Look, I still think offensive line is, is – it's same with Terrence Green, by the way. I, I think offensive line is, is his future – he moves well. Um, he bends well. I mean, he's in basketball right now. He looks tremendous as far as his physical conditioning goes. He's been playing varsity basketball. He's going to head the track where his, his goal is to throw the shot put 55 feet. I think he'll probably get in that area code this year. Uh, but, look, he's a kid who wants to be recruited as a defensive lineman. Bo Davis is recruiting him as a defensive lineman. I just am of the belief that eventually he'll move to the offensive line. His father's a defensive line coach at Naaman Forest, played D-line at, at UTEP. In college great guy man great guy i've dealt with him uh for a couple of years now really good guy um i think eventually though they'll, they'll have that conversation will happen and he'll end up playing offensive line because i think that's where his highest upside is not that he can't play d line i just think that's where his highest upside is so you think, potential, you think he's a potential nfl guy on the offensive line yeah i do i do probably as a probably as a guard 
but possibly as a right tackle. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. He's got tackle feet. I will bend. I will say that in, in reactive quickness. I think lengthwise may turn him inside a little bit. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Terrence Green, you know, look, on the hoof, he's one of the best-looking kids in this class. Uh, but you get beyond the hoof, and, you know, he was really impressive yesterday. His vertical pass rush was powerful yesterday. He was 220 pounds as a sophomore, totally off everybody's radar. He's now 6'5 and weighed in at 267 yesterday, 83-inch wingspan, 10-and-a-half-inch hands. But he's got physicality. And that showed up on tape with Cy Woods this year. Um, but he's he is a rare, really late developer physically in this game. And I know he's only a junior, but, you know, he's a late developer in the recruiting process. Let's say that I mean, from a physical standpoint, but his his upside is tremendous. Oklahoma State and TCU are telling him offensive tackle. He wants to play defensive line. He is open to playing offensive line, but he, he would prefer a chance at defensive line first, just like Marcus Deal. That's and we've talked about that's going to be the hard thing recruiting in Texas this year. Some of your top offensive line prospects prefer defense. And then once you go outside of Texas, Zelance Hurd, who Texas really wants out of Neville, prefers D-line. And Bo Davis is recruiting him. He may be the best offensive tackle prospect in America, but he wants a chance at D-line first. So that's an issue with three guys. I think Texas will end up – I'll put it out there. I think they'll end up offering Terrence Green. I just think he's going to be too high end of a prospect not to offer with too much upside. Um, he's a kid who's good, he's good academically. He checks a lot of boxes. Baylor and Tech are telling they could start him on defense, move him to offense if it doesn't work out. Here's the interesting thing. So you mentioned a late bloomer at Cy Woods, and immediately you think of Christian Jones. There you starting go. Le starting left tackle at Texas, right? There you go. Yeah, and then I, I want to mention Riley Van Poppel. Look, his H-back tight end tape, D-line tape, is impressive. Okay, he just started focusing fully on football this year. Obviously, okay, time, time out. So people, let's you, you're not setting it up right here, okay? Right. The Van yeah. Poppel name carries some weight. Make sure you yeah. tell people who that is. Yeah, Van Poppel's father's Todd Van Poppel. Uh, came out of Arlington Martin yesterday where, where the event was, and Todd Van Poppel told me, he said, all, this was just fields we used to run gassers on back in the day. Uh, Todd Van Poppel threw 100, what, 9,900 miles an hour as, <laughs> in high school. People couldn't get the bat around. The check swing would go 300, 350 feet he threw it so hard, right? Um, what was a first round pick, I think, what, 14th overall. The Braves were going to take him one. This is, this is a great part of the Todd Van Poppel's. They were going to take him one, but he said he had no interest in playing for the Braves. The Braves drafted Chipper Jones. So sometimes that works out, right? <laughs> Van Poppel had a, a what, 10, 11 year career in Major League Baseball, ended up being a, a really quality relief pitcher. Signed um, with Texas, by the way. Signed with Texas. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, so, you know, Riley Van Poppel is closing on 6'5", and he's 270. And he has defensive line additional movement skills, broad shoulders. I just think he's going to end up on the interior offensive line, and I think he's going to be really good. He was Where? physical yesterday. What, physical. what high school is he at? He's at Argyle High. Okay. Argyle High. And he was physical yesterday on contact. He had some contact power. He kind of jolted guys a couple of times. And he just has that toughness about him. You know, he – he played through the whistle every time. Even if he lost a rep, he was still playing through the whistle. There was no quit in him. He's open to playing offensive line. I talked to Todd Van Poppel, not about baseball at all, just about football after the event. And he said, look, I think my kid's going to play on the interior offensive line long term. So I think there's an understanding of that. Uh, TCU uh, has offered Nebraska, Colorado. He's going to go visit Nebraska March 5th. I think that's a kid that will get looks from the Texases. 
Texas A&M, Oklahoma's of the world here in the spring as an offensive line prospect. One more defensive lineman I want to ask you about because it's someone whose father we actually know. He's a freshman at Cy Fair, and his name is Landon Rink. Yeah. Shane Rink's son, the former yeah. Texas A&M. Well, yeah, I'm sure you got some Shane Rink recruiting coverage stories, Bobby. <laughs> but uh, look, uh, Landon is – he got one of the four defensive line MVPs yesterday. Uh, he's 6'2", 230, 225, 230. The interesting thing, talking to him after the event, he's played freshman – JV and varsity in the scrimmages. And then he just was too good to keep down at 6A side fair. His season culminated with six tackles and three sacks against Houston Lamar in a playoff game. Uh, relentless effort, kid. Tough kid, physical kid. I'm sure none of that surprises you, right? With Shane no, Rink. I mean, Shane Rink. I mean, so Shane Rink did not have the elite size uh, that that guys at Side Creek at that had, time had, like Josh Williams uh, or uh, – Josh Williams, I think, is one. Sam Adams, Adams, those guys, uh, Paul Tannis even. Uh, but he did he did give the effort, you know, uh, just like Dan Neal did, uh, yep. to be honest. Um, and, and offense, by, the way, by the way, Shane Rink is the uh, uh, strength and conditioning and assistant coach at Cy Fair High. So he yep. coaches this kid. Okay, gotcha. Um, on the offensive line, Connor Stroh, Andre Kojo, Isaiah Robertson, uh, any others that you want to mention in that group? Those are the th- those are the three main guys because I think some of those guys on the D line are going to end up on the offensive line. But uh, you know, Connor Stroh's an interesting kid. Uh, he power playing or squatted five seventy five the day before the event. He, he said he's six oh five at the regional and state meets his goal. Uh, he's a guy that Texas and Baylor are on heavily. Uh, he he's a guy that Texas would take a commitment from today if he want if he called him and committed. I think he's the process will play out a little bit with him. Um, you know, he's a guy I, I, I project inside. Uh, I don't I don't think he's a tackle. I think he's an interior guy. But he's a massive guy, 6'7", 340, 345. Um, and look, and, and he's going to be a developmental guy. His best football is going to be way down the line. Uh, but you saw yesterday pretty well. Jerry, hold on one second. It sounds like we're having a bit of audio problems. Until you uh, catch up with this, I'm gonna I'm gonna take over here for a second. Uh, you're talking about Connor Stroh. Um, as of right now, Stroh is looking at Texas as well as a host of others. Uh, he's yet again one of these big bonus guys, uh, big bonus size guys. Um, and then Andre Kojo, Isaiah Robinson. Unfortunately, it looks like uh, Jerry. Are you back now? Did I get you back? Um, I I tell you what, um, we're going to save some of this. What's that, Jerry? All right. So that's the end of this episode of uh, 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 On Texas Football. We got cut off abruptly. Sorry about that, but the connection with Jerry uh, got cut short. Uh, For Bobby, uh, for Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching this week in Recruiting Recap. Hopefully we'll have some more later this week on recruiting here on On Texas Football.